I really need to thank you and Sarah for being there for me. You guys could have easily said, this isn't my problem. This is your problem. Your lack of due diligence is entirely your fault and not done anything at all. But you guys have been there for me every step of the way. You responded on Voxer at 342 in the morning. I know it might have been 642, depending on where you were. But honestly, who works at that time? So just the fact that you guys were there for me, I appreciate it so much. Welcome to the Creating Wealth Show with Jason Hartman. You're about to learn a new slant on investing, some exciting techniques and fresh new approaches to the world's most historically proven asset class that will enable you to create more wealth and freedom than you ever thought possible. Jason is a genuine self-made multimillionaire who's actually been there and done it. He's a successful investor, lender, developer, and entrepreneur who's owned properties in 11 states, had hundreds of of tenants and been involved in thousands of real estate transactions. This program will help you follow in Jason's footsteps on the road to your financial independence day. You really can do it. And now, here's your host, Jason Hartman, with the complete solution for real estate investors. Welcome to episode 1432-1432. This is an extra episode. Yes, we're coming at you seven days a week during this time of unprecedented opportunity. It is truly an amazing time to be alive. Yes, I am trying to be a little more optimistic than I've been lately, <laughs> maybe, and uh, then certainly the general news media is out there because uh, uh, we're hearing a lot of bad news, and you know, it's, it's really not all bad. The funny thing to me about the news media is, uh, of course, it's sensationalized. The old saying in journalism is, if it bleeds, it leads, right? Tell the most gory, most sensational, most tragic story because... As humans, um, it's just funny how we're wired. We look for negatives. We look for danger. Uh, we fear loss rather than desire gain. People are more likely to protect something they might lose or to be upset about something they lost than they are to make an effort to gain something. And they're more likely to look at danger rather than opportunity. This is just the way we're wired. Why is that? Well, evolutionary scientists think that it's because for all of human history up until recent times, meaning just the past century, for example, we lived in an environment of incredible danger and massive scarcity. I guess I would put that up to the Enlightenment. Uh, that would probably be the time when things really, really started to shift. Even though post-Enlightenment, there was a lot of barbaric, uh, really ugly things that humans did to each other, of course. But, uh, you know, hey, that still happens today, sadly. But yeah, so we are trained to focus on the negative. And that's why the media selling the negative works so well, because it gets our attention. You know, even in normal times, not during a, a crisis time like this, the news media is overwhelmingly negative. And especially if you watch local news, oh my gosh, well, you get depressed watching local TV news. It's about 
every murder and assault you can imagine, right? You watch the national news, it's about every politician and all the bad things they do and, you know, how the government is mismanaged and, you know, the wars and the conflicts and this and that going on. You know, hopefully someday as a uh, as a people, we will graduate past some of this stuff, but it plays on our evolutionary thinking, right? It plays on that primal brain, the old brain, the brain stem, where we look for danger, we look for negativity. That's our focus. We are all wired that way. Now, granted, to one level or another, some of us have overcome it, and uh, some have it. You know, it's usually uh, depends on the circumstance, right? Uh, sometimes even the most positive person is very negative. Um, in fact, I'll, I'll give you an example. The late, great Zig Ziglar, one of my mentors, uh, now, if you know who Zig Ziglar is or you've listened to any of his fantastic material, you would probably think Zig is just a super positive guy, right? Well, I went on a speaking tour with Zig years ago, and it covered four cities. Uh, what was it? Like Seattle, Chicago, L.A., somewhere else. I can't remember. <laughs> anyway, and I remember having dinner with Zig Ziglar one night, and you know, Zig was kind of going on about another speaker who you've heard of and how, uh, you know, that speaker was, uh, had issues. <laughs> I guess I'll say that for lack of a, a better way to say it. And, you know, Zig was kind of, kind of digging in on this a little bit. And it, it kind of surprised me here, this, you know, person that I thought was Mr. Positive all the time and, and so forth, you know, but listen, I'm not faulting Zig Ziglar for that. He's human. Okay. He's just a, a human, just like me, just like you, just like all of us, right? You know, not every day is a great day, right? <laughs> in fact, one of Zig's great sayings, contradicts that because I just thought of it when I said that. He said, if you don't believe every day is a great day, just try missing one of them, meaning you're dead, right? <laughs> and obviously you miss that day and you'll miss all the others too. Uh, Zig taught me a great level of appreciation and, um, you know, spirituality. Uh, he was a, a very much a uh, Baptist, I think he was a Baptist Christian. You know, he, he's just an awesome guy. But, but you know, even the great Zig Ziglar, Mr. Positive, right? He gets sucked into the negative vortex too sometimes, right? Uh, we all do. It's the way we're wired. We have to overcome it consciously. So hopefully during this time, you are following my four tips, right? You are staying calm, you are keeping good counsel, you are keeping your eye on the ball, on the big prize, and you are taking action and executing your plan. Uh, you haven't let uh, the distractions of life and the sensationalized news media distract you from that. Because, and it's coming out now, I mean, the conspiracy theories are flying, right? Hopefully you've heard and entertained some of them. Because if you don't entertain a few conspiracy theories, you're missing out, if for nothing else than entertainment purposes. <laughs> but some of them are true, okay? Listen, a lot of conspiracies, they try to marginalize people by saying, oh, you're a conspiracy theorist. Well, you know, some of those conspiracies turn out to be true, okay? And they sound outlandish at the time, but they turn out to be true. And, you know, you're, you're seeing how, I, I mean, you're probably reading and, and seeing the same stuff in the news media I am that, Hospitals are being pushed to miscategorize deaths 
and saying that they're from coronavirus when they're really not, or when it's debatable that it may have just been really natural causes, but they happen to have coronavirus, but it wasn't really that that led to their demise. We're seeing these videos and pictures around of where supposedly the healthcare system is overwhelmed, but maybe it's not. There was just an article I saw that one of our team members posted in our content, our private content group that says uh, the military set up a, uh, a makeshift hospital in Seattle and it packed up and left because there were no patients. Okay, so this isn't all what it seems. Now, I'm not giving you some big conspiracy theory here. I'm just saying that there are massive inaccuracies always, always in media reporting. Always, not just now, always. It's always that way, okay? Media is a game of ratings. It's a game of clicks nowadays. It's a game of clickbait titles. And it's a game of fake news, okay? And and we don't know what's real or fake yet. Um, usually, we get a better idea after the fact, but not while we're in it. And, you know, that's the other thing to keep in mind context versus content, right? And I've taught you about this before and the idea that our environment, our context determines what content we have. And using this as a metaphor for the way we think, if we think a certain way, it limits our ability to achieve certain things. So in the environment of the bath of news media that we're all getting now, it limits our thinking, right? I don't know exactly when it will be, neither do you, uh, you know, nobody does, but the world will go back to normal and inflation will occur and people will make investments. People will make good investments, bad investments. People will need to rent houses. And as I've said in my pandemic investing presentation, there is a massive tsunami, a tidal wave coming toward low density suburban housing. And guess what? If you've been listening to me, you probably already own a lot of that housing. And hopefully, I'm going to inspire you to buy a lot more of it. And you can do that at jasonhartman.com slash properties, of course, or reach out to our investment counselors at 1-800-HARTMAN. Shameless self-promotion. I know. I know. I know. Hey, listen, we're a business too, okay? <laughs> we we got to keep the lights on. But yeah, so just understand that when you're in it, okay, when you're in the storm, it's very hard to gain any perspective. And the people that win in life look outside of the storm. It's kind of like if you're having a conflict with someone, you know, do you dive in and, you know, fire off, you know, stinging words or... Do you take a deep breath, think, be thoughtful, and realize that this is just a momentary little storm? It's, you know, I don't want it to ruin a relationship. So, uh, you know, that's, that's important to realize the big picture always, the big picture. Now, I, I believe I shared this before, but I, I just saw it again in my notes and, and wanted to remind everybody, okay, just and remind myself, too, of the fact that Generally speaking, I mean, listen, this is n never a comparison with how it was 
in you know in the 50s or or any other good time in history or any other time when we didn't have an economy not just our economy it's always compared to what that's always 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 the question compared to what we're comparatively relatively speaking okay right now households have pretty strong balance sheets businesses until just recently, the change and, um, you know, many businesses are learning how to work much more efficiently now, and that will cut costs. And, uh, you know, you notice when, like, is, isn't it interesting to you that when Cheesecake Factory a couple weeks ago said to their 300 plus landlords that they weren't going to pay the rent, their stock went up 5%. When the last jobs report came out, which was abysmal, whole bunch more people, millions more people unemployed, uh, the stock market rallied, right? Why is that? Well, it represents the idea that the cost burden on these companies has declined. And guess what? The companies will figure out a way. And Cheesecake Factory, just because that was in the news a couple weeks ago, will figure out a way to renegotiate their leases, and the landlords will work with them. What other choice do they have? Thank God you don't own commercial property, right? You've been listening to me. Housing, 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 right? Everybody says the old rule, location, location, location. Hartman says housing, 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 the three rules of real estate. And I've been saying that for, what, 16 years, right? So hopefully you didn't buy a shopping center. (laughs) You didn't buy an office building. You bought housing. Housing is now clearly and unequivocally the center of the universe, the center of the universe. So strong household balance sheets, businesses in the overall big picture, I know, stop focusing on the last month, are doing pretty well, okay? Banking system still appears to be pretty well intact. You know, it's been pretty conservative for the last decade or so. Uh, coming out of the Great Recession. That may change. I get it. Mortgage servicers are kind of freaking out. But you know what? The thing is, we don't have to worry too much. Why? Because Big Brother, with his fiat money, will just throw it into the market from the helicopter, and we know it's coming because they can't do anything else. They have to do it. It's in their self-interest. Never expect any entity, any government, any corporation, any person to do anything that is not in their own self-interest. You know, I find a lot of people get upset about deals going bad in life when they expect someone on the counterparty of the deal to do something that's not in their self-interest. Just understand that everybody acts in their self-interest. Now, there is a distinction there, though. Hopefully... They don't act in their short-term self-interest. Hopefully, they act in their long-term self-interest. See, when someone acts in their short-term self-interest, they tend to be unethical, sleazy, crooked, scummy, whatever. Not that I have any opinions about this. (laughs) But when someone acts in their long-term self-interest, they realize that a business deal, a relationship is not transactional. Yes, there are transactions along the way, but they realize the lifetime value of the relationship. They realize the lifetime value of the customer. 
And I was talking uh, with an attorney friend about this just yesterday, actually. And I was saying to him that, you know, it takes a more intelligent person to play the long game, to play the big game, because delaying gratification is a sign of intelligence, okay? It's a sign that you have the maturity to wait for the rewards, right? And the instant gratification is the complete opposite. I mean, look, at sometimes don't you wonder, you know, you watch these movies or a documentary about some criminal, right, that ripped people off. Maybe you watch that great show American Greed on CNBC, right? And almost without exception, by the way, Every one of those crooks on American Greed, I I mean, 99% of them probably, were able to victimize people who did not follow my commandment number three. That if you boil it down, 99% of the, the crooks that stole people's money on American Greed were able to do it because people did not follow commandment number three. Thou shalt maintain control. Pools are for fools. Don't invest in these pooled money assets. And, you know, if you do, when you break that rule once in a while, make sure you've really checked it out or you're really dealing with a long-term thinker, okay? So, but you watch American Greed or whatever show and you think, you know, that criminal really went to a lot of effort to rip those people off. If they simply channeled that effort into making money the honest way, They would have been incredibly successful, and you're right, but they viewed it as an instant gratification thing, right? So that's just the way it is. Let's not become victims of that. Okay, so strong household balance sheets, business fundamentals overall pretty good. I mean, we got to look at the bigger picture before the last month, right? You know, don't freak out. Life will go on. Business will go on. Banking, still looking fairly strong, okay? I mean, um, the forbearances and things are are weird, but we're going to get past that pretty soon. Uh, And by the way, tomorrow, on tomorrow's extra episode, uh, we're going to talk about the forbearances. And then low, low interest rates, okay? So, uh, you know, there there are some um, definite good things out there going on. All right. Hopefully, you are positioning your portfolio, and you don't have to reposition anything if you bought it from us, because you're already positioned in the right place in terms of this tidal wave of migration trend that's going to hit after the shutdowns and the quarantines and the lockdowns are lifted, you're going to really see that. You're going to really see that. And I know, I know you are going to be leaving me messages that I will probably play on the podcast months from now that say, Jason, you are right. There's so much demand for my rentals. I'm trying to buy more properties. There's a bidding war. Yep. I told you so. So it's coming. It's coming. Just wait, folks. See the big picture and it's going to happen. And by the way, it's not just that. There's a lot more to it than that and a lot more opportunities coming up around that. Okay. So today our guest will be yours truly. I'm your guest. Yeah. Uh, And what that means is that I'm just going to play for you an interview that I did just last week. Maybe it was the week before, like nine days ago, probably, on someone else's uh, show. And I'm going to play that for you so that you can hear some of the things I talked about, which won't all be new, but some will be new. And I think you'll enjoy this. 
in the interest of time, we're going to split it up over today and tomorrow. And we'll be back tomorrow with another bonus show for you. And again, running seven days a week here for a while because there's so much going on. So let's get to that right now, part one, and then I will be back to talk to you more tomorrow. And by the way, tomorrow is Easter. So happy Easter to all and stay safe, stay well. Here's part one, and then tomorrow we'll have part two. Jason, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Casey. Great to be here. Well, it's awesome to have our first real estate expert here on the show, among many other things that you do. And I'm really looking forward to diving into not just what's going on with real estate and how it pertains to retirement, but also what's going on right now. I'm interviewing you uh, right now at the beginning of April 2020. So right. there's a lot going on there's out there in the market, a the lot world. going on yeah. out there in coronavirus. And I, I see you're practicing a little social distancing yourself. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's uh, This is a good time to be a loner with OCD. <laughs> I, I hate to say that, but uh, it's it's a really crazy time in history. I, I never thought I'd live through anything like this. You probably didn't either. Probably nobody in your audience did, unless they were alive in you know 1918 during the Spanish flu. And I think this will create profound, profound changes in the world that will last an entire generation. This is, even if and I'm not talking about the virus itself, that I do think this will be a very bad month and it'll it'll peak toward the end of this month. And by middle of May, we're going to be back on track in terms of things. But the memory of it will last a generation. And uh, the impact on the economy and the way we do things and our our behavior and how that impacts the economy, how it impacts real estate is going to be profoundly significant. And uh, there are a lot of things that people need to do to reposition their portfolio, to really reposition their thinking about their investments, about uh, their retirement, about you know where they live, how they live. This is a big deal. Uh, I don't want to understate it. And, and I'm not, um, when I say that, by the way, I don't uh, say that in the sense that I'm panicking. I don't say that in the sense that I'm, uh, you know, I think largely the, the reaction from the Federal Reserve and the government and other central banks and other governments around the world, in some ways, I think their reaction is much bigger than the problem. But at the same time, I do think there are profound lasting effects that will be with us and we need to adapt to them. And there are many silver linings in the cloud, by the way. There are many good things that are, will, are already coming out of this and, and will continue to come out of it. So have, happy to dive into uh, yeah. these. There's so much to talk about. Oh, there is. And talk about things that uh, will change us forever. I may never touch my face again. Uh, for one, <laughs> if you can for help one. it, it's a habit. Everybody has. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'm amazed to learn that we all touch our face like 20 times an hour. I had no idea I was doing I that. I had know? no idea. Now, look, I'll probably be healthier. It'll be a healthier population <laughs> yeah. for many years. We will. Um, we, we will all. We've, we're all germaphobes now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, there's going to be some profound changes. Yeah. I want to get into the, the impact of the real estate market. But for some of those that are listening that aren't sure who Jason is, I would kind of like to talk about your real estate evolution, you know, yeah. where you're at today. You didn't just start by running out and buying 100 properties. No. Uh, you, yeah. you, you gave this a start and it evolved over time. And I'm wondering what that evolution has looked like for you. Yeah, well, just to, uh, you know, I'll, I'll make this really short 
short because I think there's a lot of topical stuff and important things that you want to jump into. But basically, I uh, started uh, my investing in real estate at age 20. I was in my first year of college. I uh, was selling real estate part-time. I got my real estate license at age 19. And a client of mine that I had sold a few investment properties to didn't really love one of the properties he bought from me. And he asked me to sell it for him. And I, I said to him, I said, Jim, I don't want to sell it for you. I want to buy it from you. And that was my first rental property at age 20. And from there, I've just been investing ever since. I love income property. I think it's the most historically proven asset class in the world. And interestingly, I think it will be the best performing asset class throughout this whole entire coronavirus pandemic. We'll see if I'm right about that. I think possibly the second best will be gold. And I'm not a gold bug, uh, by the way. I do own some, but you know, I, I've just never been a gold bug. I, I think it's a one-dimensional asset class. But you know, there's obviously the fear trade, and, and that's you know, something that'll happen. Um, interestingly, as, as much as I don't love Wall Street either, it's starting to look like there will be some good stock buys out there. You know? So, uh, you know, every, every problem creates opportunities. You know, um, Casey, you've probably heard it or maybe some of your listeners have, but, and this has nothing to do with the Wuhan virus or the China virus as, you know, some people are calling it, but the Chinese in their language, many years ago, I learned that they have a symbol for crisis which is uh, the same as the symbol for opportunity. And literally translated, it means crisis is an opportunity riding the dangerous wind. It's kind of an interesting translation, right? And many opportunities are coming out of this crisis already, and many more will come. So I hope we can talk about that today and, and help your listeners just reposition their portfolios and, and do things right. Yeah, I love looking at this in a positive light. I think, you know, when we get into these unprecedented times in our lives, it can create a lot of panic. But if right. we really look for the opportunity, there are opportunities abound today. No question. And, you know, well, let's, let's go there. You know, what, what do you think today is, where do you see the biggest opportunities in the real estate market today? Well, you know, I think, like I've said, I think there is going, this is a generational shift. I think it's a big deal. And as soon as the pandemic part of this blows over and the quarantines end, this will probably be by early May, maybe mid-May, something like that. As soon as that happens, we are going to start to see a mass migration out of high-density living environments. And remember when we talk about high density, we're not just talking about, you know, someone living in a high-rise apartment building or high-rise condo. That's one component of it. But when you come out of your home, you know, say you don't touch the elevator button, say you uh, ride in the elevator alone, okay, and say the elevator is uh, disinfected all the time, right? Say your building is very clean, and that's all great. But what happens when you get out of your house, you know, on the street scene, at the coffee shop, you know, at, at shopping environments, and uh, eventually when they come back, and it's going to take a while, restaurants, bars, movie theaters, um, concerts, things like that, plays, you know, Broadway, everything like that. When that eventually comes back, maybe with people sitting in every other seat, who knows what's, yeah. what this will be. It's going to be a different world. It really is. You know, we've got to think about density and social distancing. This is the new thing 
that everybody is going to be thinking about. And I think we are going to see a huge hit to real estate markets like New York City, downtown LA, or any part of LA where I grew up that is highly dense. Uh, Obviously, the Bay Area, San Francisco, Seattle, Portland, San Diego, Miami, you know, uh, Boston, Washington, D.C., downtown Chicago. I think that people are really going to make an escape from these types of environments, and there's going to be a mass migration toward suburban living. You know, when you look around the world, Casey, America is very unique in the concept of suburbia. That is a uniquely American concept. Around the world, you know, and I've been to 87 countries, I was born in Europe. Um, You know, it's kind of weird now that I have zero travel plans. I don't think that's happened in 20 years for me. Um, But, uh, you know, I, I usually go to Europe a couple of times a year, spend maybe a month there every summer or so. And, um, you know, European cities, Asian cities, cities around the world are, are dense. Okay, they're densely populated. And uh, this is a big change. In in terms of the U.S. real estate market, I think we are going to see something that I predicted maybe eight to 10 years ago that I call the rise of suburbia. Now, the reason I predicted it back then had nothing to do with pandemic viruses. I, I wasn't thinking of that. What I was thinking of at the time I made that prediction is the autonomous vehicle and the self-driving car. And, you know, I, I think that is going to lead to the rise of suburbia because location, you know, if you look at real estate throughout history, I mean, even back to the time that we were living in caves, okay, real estate has always been valued on three basic concepts that's, you know, kind of a, a cliche, location, location, and location, okay? And that's what makes high-density cities so expensive to live in. You know, New York City is expensive because of density and demand and uh, highly high-paying jobs. Well, guess what? A lot of us have now realized that in terms of high-paying jobs and location and also universities and the tuitions they charge, okay, that as as that old story, the emperor has no clothes, the emperor has no clothes. And what I mean by that is that now people are realizing, thankfully, that they can work remotely. A lot of people did before, but now they really get it. And people are adapting. You know, necessity is the mother of invention, as the old saying goes. And people are pretty adaptable. They're pretty good at adapting. And so are free market companies. Capitalism is super adaptive more than any other system. And the late economist Joseph Schumpeter years ago coined the term creative destruction. And so we're seeing a creative destruction happening just in the past month of universities that have adapted and are telling everybody, go learn online, grade school go learn online, stay at home. And the home is becoming the center of the universe. And as this happens, you know, the company is telling people to work at home. Uh, People are getting better at using remote technology like we're using right now. And there, there are all sorts of new innovations that are being pushed forward faster and faster. 
lots of companies, interestingly, are are retooling uh, their plants. You know, alcohol distilleries are making hand sanitizer. Right. I think GM and GE are both making ventilators. Okay, I think both of them actually. <laughs> Maybe I'm confusing that. All, all sorts of companies that made clothing are now making face masks. So the world is just radically changing and adapting very quickly. And some of this adaptation in terms of the real estate market are that we are moving more and more toward a frictionless real estate market where people are more and more willing to do things virtually. You know, when I started in the business I'm in now that, you know, people can find out more about it, jasonhartman.com or on my uh, podcast, The Creating Wealth Show, I, I, I got into this business, this angle on real estate in back in 2004, 16 years ago. And back then, the idea of people uh, buying properties around the country, buying properties they had never seen in person or uh, investing remotely was sort of a radical idea. Yeah. And, and a lot of people did it. And, you know, my business was very successful as it launched back in 2004. But now it, it's become widely accepted and much more f- friction-free. It's going to make it easier for investors because now renters are more willing to rent properties virtually. They're mil- more willing to sign docs using online electronic signing platforms. Just a lot of stuff is becoming much easier and much more f- uh, friction-free which is beautiful for investors and the rise of suburbia, a big, big mega trend in real estate. And we've been uh, recommending people invest in suburban real estate for 16 years. Yeah. We've, we've never liked high density markets. So uh, I think that's just naturally going to be a very good thing for us. So what's this timeline look like? If we find ourselves here today, do we go ahead and say, okay, suburbia is going to be a great opportunity. Let's go ahead and get it, get ahead of it. Are we buying into suburbia at a good time today, or are there going to be better opportunities in the future as we see, say, potentially recession go on? We see individuals that are potentially losing their jobs and going back to the 08 period of time, are people going to lose their homes? Are people going to, going to be turning their homes over to the banks? The banks taking over? How are the opportunities going to evolve? Yeah. I'm talking to people right now. They're saying, you know, it, I would like to get into the real estate market right now. I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities if we just sit and wait for those opportunities to rise. Um, so how, how do you see this evolving over time? Well, the right answer is I don't know. Okay. (laughs) So none of us know. We're in uncharted territory. We have never seen this before. And look, uh, for all the people who think they can outwit the, the stock market or the real estate market or whatever, look at Mr. Market has a certain amount of wisdom that no one person has. And if you don't believe that, just look at the powers that be who have much more information than we do. And those would be the central banks. The Federal Reserve and the government have vastly more information than any person listening, including me or you or anybody, right, has. They have more information. And they can't predict the cycle. And and they control part of it, you know, to also. And they don't know. No, no, nobody mm-hmm. really knows. But well, that makes me think about your valuation discussion. You say, right. well, there is no such thing as the U.S. real estate market. And so does that mean yet yeah, today there's great opportunities and yeah. tomorrow there'll be great opportunities? And we just have to look for them. 
Yeah. So, you know, that, that's why I always try to look at the macroeconomic angle on things, because when you look at macro, generally speaking, you can you can predict macro trends. Can I predict day by day or next month? No. But I, but I just know for sure that there is going to be a mass migration out of high-density living environments to lower-density living environments, okay? I can say that with certainty, and I think everyone listening probably believes that too. Will there be a recession? We're already in a recession. Will it be ugly? God, yes. This is mind-boggling what's going on. The cover of The Economist magazine has a picture of the Earth from outer space with a sign that says closed on it. You know, you can't shut down the global economy and expect not to create a recession or a depression. This is going to be uh, just a crazy time. But the difference is that this did not happen because of ridiculous lending standards. It did not happen. You know, the banks have been really conservative, at least in real estate financing coming out of the Great Recession. This is not a, a long term problem. Now, I only I want to I want to couch that in this. Look at, I think every economy on Earth is pretty much built on a house of cards. It's all smoke and mirrors. Okay, so knowing that that's the environment we're playing in, that every economy is sort of built on this house of cards, if you will. Okay, that's just every economy. The question we have to ask ourselves is, compared to what? Okay, if people, you know, I, I, I love these idiots that are out there predicting the collapse of America. Well, mm -hmm. compared to what? I mean, seriously, the U.S. has the biggest economy in the world. It has the biggest military in the world. It has the reserve currency of the world. And guess what else? It has the biggest brand name in the world. Okay. Everybody wants to come to America, okay? Bash it all you want. Say that the dollar is fiat money and it's not backed by anything. You're wrong, okay? The, the dollar is backed by aircraft carriers and missiles, okay? <laughs> Just when, when you get down to it at the end of the day, that's how the U.S. will continue to maintain reserve currency status by the ability to inflict force and project power. That's just, you know, it's ugly, but it's the way of the world, okay? Mm -hmm. So the U.S. is in a much better position than other countries, dramatically better, okay? And the U.S. real estate market uh, will definitely experience hardship, but so will everybody else, okay? Mm -hmm. This, and, and by the way, you know, just as an aside, one of the really good things that is coming out of this that just, it just makes me feel good because this is a virus that doesn't discriminate. I mean, it does in terms of it affects older people uh, more harshly. It affects men more harshly, uh, much more. Coronavirus kills men dramatically more than it kills women, by the way. A lot of people, that's not very well publicized, probably for some silly political correctness reason. So it does discriminate a little bit, but it doesn't really discriminate between borders, okay? And one of the silver linings that's coming out of this is I think this will lead to much greater global cooperation between nations. You know, we are realizing as, a, as the human race that we've got to work together, okay? We, this is not, no country can go it alone here, okay? But, you know, that said, America still has some tremendous advantages. This will be continued on the next episode. Thank you for listening and happy investing. 
Thank you so much for listening. Please be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss any episodes. Be sure to check out the show's specific website and our general website, hartmanmedia.com, for appropriate disclaimers and terms of service. Remember that guest opinions are their own, and if you require specific legal or tax advice or advice in any other specialized area, please consult an appropriate professional. And we also very much appreciate you reviewing the show. Please go to iTunes or Stitcher Radio or whatever platform you're using and write a review for the show. We would very much appreciate that. And be sure to make it official and subscribe so you do not miss any episodes. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Thank you.